Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Fantasy Football Rankings Week 2 Debate. And we're going to dig into some uh, brief mention of the waiver wire at the very beginning of the show to update that. If you missed the entire waiver wire breakdown, what's wrong with you? Give your head a shake. Go download the episode or go to the Mayo Media Network YouTube page, subscribe, then go watch the Week 1 waiver wire video, or Week 2 waiver wire video. you find all the timestamps <laughs> in the description of that video, or you can just find all of my Week 2 rankings and my waiver wire rankings, which will be continued to be updated all throughout Tuesday, the more information that comes out, you know, the better decisions we can make. And hey, most waivers don't run until like Wednesday morning anyway. So you might want to check back to see who's moved up and who's moved down on the rankings. Also, my giveaway for FTN Daily and FTNBets.com still going on. One more day. Winners will be announced on Wednesday's Spread Pick Show with Jeff Feinberg and Tim Andacust, which will be out bright and early on a Wednesday, both on the podcast feed and on the video feed. If you want to get in that draw to win yourself a free subscription, for all of football, what you do is go buy a package at ftndaily.com or ftnbets.com. Use promo code MAYO to get yourself 10% off. And that way you can unlock access to optimizers, lineup generators, all of the best stats, all the best cheat sheets, everything that you might need to help yourself be successful this NFL season. ftndaily.com and ftnbets.com have that for you. So if you purchase a subscription, then you screenshot me your purchase of said subscription. Again, code Mayo, 10% off or 15% off. 10% off right now, I think. It was 15% off. Now it's 10% off. We're deeper into football. But you screenshot me your purchase and you'll be eligible to have your money refunded to you. But you better do it soon because it's all going to be over. U.S. Open shows already up on Mayo Media Network and all of my content on DKPlaybook.com. And the big thing, the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings NFL Week 2 Listeners League link is in the description of this video and podcast. There's only 3,000 spots this week, so you better get yours right now. Go reserve your spot to make sure you get in the best tournament on DraftKings. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, flat payouts. It is the most sustainable ecosystem for your money on DraftKings, so I highly recommend you go play it. Also, up now on the network should be a Dynasty Stock watch up, stock watch down video with my guy Jordan Richards. He's going to be providing dynasty content for Mayo Media Network this season. So I recommend you go check that out. Smash the like on that video too. Show some support and go subscribe to his YouTube channel as well for more dynasty content out there because I don't really do dynasty content because I don't have the time to play dynasty. I'm not going to lie to you. Jake Seeley on the line. Jake, when you watch this video back, do you smash the like button? Because you should. <laughs> I always smash the like button. I, I subscribed like 18 times. I can do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You subscribe, like, unsubscribe, <laughs> subscribe, unsubscribe. It's just it's like new subscribers all the time. It's like, oh, wow, the algorithm loves it. I've also, yeah, smashed a like. I, I would smash the like at FTN if I could because I've been checking out a lot of that stuff that you got over there. So, yes, I do. I do help you as much as I can, as you always give back to me when we are like in polls and votes and stuff like that. Of course, whenever Jake needs the fan support, we always rep Jake, unless I'm also in the same contest, then all of a sudden I want people to vote for me. But I want to talk, <laughs> uh, I want to talk waiver wire now that the Monday night games have finished. Uh, Benny Snell ha has potentially a huge opportunity right now if James Conner is down for any substantial length of time. The problem is we don't know if James Conner is going to be even out in week two as of yet. I think he's probably going to try to play. We'll see. But we don't know as we're speaking right now. And I doubt we're going to know by the time you make your waiver bids. For me, when I'm looking at it, 
I think that if you knew that James Conner was out for the season, yes, Benny Snell would be spend all your fab bucks, go get him right now. But since we don't know that, I don't know what kind of role he's going to have if Conner is healthy. I'm don't think it's going to be a big one. Uh, as long as Connor is healthy, they're going to continue to run him out there. They don't really do split backfields all that often. So I would still rather have Naheem Hines right now because Hines is a split backfield type of guy, but that doesn't really hurt him whatsoever. That's that's fine for him because he's going to soak up like nine targets a game now. Yeah, it's the good James White. It's exactly what I told you. I'm really happy about Naheem Hines having value. That was going to happen before Mac went down. It only just helped that Mac went down. I'm with you. I think the problem with Snell is that even if it was two weeks, even if Connor's out this week and like whatever it might be is it's not just what you said. It's that Connor last year, even when he had the shoulder and all that type of stuff, as he bounces in and out, like he'll miss 90% of a game like we just saw, but he'll be the starter. So you can't even start Snell unless Connor is officially out and done for. Snell actually splits more with Samuels than Connor does with both of them when Connor is the guy. So that's the problem is Tomlin wants Connor to be the guy. He always treats him like the guy as much as he conceivably can, which of course is the question. I'd still go after Snell. He would still be one of my top options. I think that Malcolm Brown, Naheem Hines, uh, James Robinson, and Snell is like kind of right after them. I think Snell needs to be owned in leagues at this point because if Connor does, like if Connor tries to play this week and aggravates the ankle and then he's out for three weeks, finally you'd be able to trust Snell as an RB2 just for that reason. Like Snell kind of falls into the Chase Edmonds, the Daryl Williams, like those kind of names for me at this point. No, I absolutely, he deserves to be owned right now. You should go pick him up. But I think that the difference in this Connor news is do you spend 80% of your fab on him or do you spend like 10 bucks and try to go get him? Like I wouldn't overpay for him without knowing what the thing with Connor is where I'm shelling out right now for Naheem Hines. Like if he's available in your league and PPR formats, obviously even half point PPR, I think you can get away with. I just went back and looked at the numbers as it pertains to Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon last year when they both played with Philip Rivers because as we saw with Tyrod Taylor week one uh, it's not going to be the same sort of backfield with just blood dumps to running backs the entire time that entire offense has just seemingly moved towards Indianapolis but weeks 5 to 17 last year when both Eckler and Gordon were active Gordon averaged 17 touches a game and 13 and a half PPR points per game Eckler averaged 12 touches a game and 14 and a half PPR points per game like basically slot in Jonathan Taylor who's better than Melvin Gordon and they're running behind a better offensive line albeit that it's a bit dinged up right now but the Chargers offensive line has been god awful for years and then Hines into this Eckler role like I think that there is a chance that both these guys can finish as top 15 PPR running backs just based on the offense that they play in and now with Matt gone like unless Jordan Wilkins somehow gets 25 to 30 percent of the snaps (laughs) like that that would be worrisome but I don't think that's going to happen no, Jordan Wilkins isn't that good. I, I wouldn't go quite top 15, top 20. I'd probably have been with you. And I, sa- I know that sounds nitpicky, but it just, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I'm with you. And to be honest, you know, look, I missed some things. I even tweeted about some of the things I missed. Like I'm legitimately concerned of Austin Hooper already, but hell yeah, I'm taking a victory lap for Naeem Hines. And if anybody's watching the show with you and me together, and they've been watching our shows together, they already own Naeem Hines because he's not sitting out there in the waiver wire. So hopefully next time you listen to us, and I say us because I know you agreed with me on Hines. Uh, by the way, Philip Rivers targeted running backs in week one, 37% of his passes. Philip Rivers is still going to pass to the running backs as much as he can conceivably can. So let me throw this out here to you because I asked Meany and Gary in this on the Monday show and I was being dead serious. Rest of the season, who do you think scores more fantasy points? Austin Eckler or Naheem Hines? Because I think it's Naheem Hines. I, I still think it's Austin Eckler. I, I, I really don't think that Austin Eckler is going to have that similar workload to what happened in week one. 
because I, I think you see the explosiveness in the passing game. I kind of just feel like that was week one and things were just kind of off a little bit, get used to Tyrod Taylor. And I don't think he's going to see the targets that he did with Phil Rivers because we're talking about the difference between Taylor and Rivers. All that being said, if you told me 20 touches for Eckler, even if 19 are carries and one is a reception, 20 touches a week from Eckler, I would put money that he finishes on a top 10. That that was a 87 yards was a floor for Eckler, in my opinion. I don't think that Eckler is going to be bad. That's not what I'm trying to say when I, I bring up Eckler. I just think he's going to be worse than a lot of people may have drafted him to be because I don't think that the target floor is going to be there for him where I do think it's going to be there for Naheem Hines every single week. Now, obviously, injuries can play a role in this, but I was really discouraged to see that once they got inside the five-yard line, it was Joshua Kelly time. And that was the concern we had. It is something that we've talked about also on the show before. Joshua Kelly is filling the Melvin Gordon role, not that type of percentage of touches, but that player role. It was never going to be Jackson. Jackson's the backup option to Eckler. Joshua Kelly was drafted for this reason. Joshua Kelly is not even Melvin Gordon. Like I would still say Melvin Gordon is the more talented running back, but you brought up the concern. Austin Eckler, to, like, if you told me, I'll say this, Pat. I just went on with the whole Eckler thing, the 20 touches. If you told me it was 20 touches every single week, I just said top 10. My concern is what you're talking about. I do think there's a floor if he's not getting 20 touches, to be clear. I'd say 87 yards is his floor if he's getting 20 touches every single week. If he starts getting 15 carries and two targets, 14 carries, two targets, 18 carries, two targets, like that would start to concern me a little bit. Again, I'm going to be a little bit more patient before I start thinking that Hines and other players are going to outperform him. I think that's a good buy low for Austin Eckler. But, you know, if the same thing happens in week two, then I'll be I'll be coming around. But I'm going to come around slower than you are on this one. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people overreact to week one. But then there's the, the whole pushback. It's like, well, you can't overreact to week one. Do whatever you want. Uh, make your own assessments <laughs> on it. The way that I just see Eckler is that he might be empty volume kind of like David Montgomery is. Now, I think he's better than David Montgomery, but David Montgomery gets all these touches and they're absolutely worthless. And if Eckler's not getting the goal line work and he's not involved in the passing game, his quality of touches to score fantasy points has just gone so far down uh, that that would be the biggest concern for me. And, and I'll give you one more thing too. So the, I'm pulling it up because I had it up yesterday when I was looking at this report. Eckler ran 20 routes. Hunter Henry ran 25, Allen 29, and Mike Williams 28. So he was still out there running routes. Taylor obviously not targeting him, and that's what we're talking about here. That's why I'll say I'll give it one more week. If he runs another 20-plus routes, and by the way, his target percentage was 3.5, if that rolls into the next week, you're 100% right with your concern, and that's the concern because it wasn't the usage, it was the targets. So he's still running the routes. It's whether or not Taylor's going to look his way. I think that he would be a better fantasy player if Herbert was the quarterback. I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you, and you know I don't like Herbert. Uh, I think that Herbert would be a boon for basically all the pass catchers outside of Hunter Henry. I do actually think that Tyra Taylor really helps Hunter Henry. Not that Herbert can't, but I think that you, we just saw it. Like Taylor, go back to the days of Sammy Watkins and Charles Clay. Charles Clay was a thing with Tyron Taylor for a reason. Yeah, and I, it seems to me, at least from watching that game, and which is like, after all the goodness of the early slate of games, I know it ended like really stupidly, but that game was such a slog. It was insufferable <laughs> to watch. But Tyrod likes Mike Williams. Uh, he does so far, 100%. I, I'm going to be, this is another one. I'm going to be watching this game very closely to see what happens in week two. Uh, it's not that he hated Keenan Allen, but there's something there with Mike Williams. And that was the comparison that we've talked about before with Sammy Watkins. Well, Sammy Watkins plays the similar role that Mike Williams does. What do we know about Keenan Allen? He's the big slot. He's the Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, those type of receivers. 
that might not just be where Tyrod Taylor is comfortable. He hits the tight end more than that kind of seam route. Like you're, we're going to watch it in week two. It's going to be, I'm not going to say go crazy, 100% change your opinion in week two, but this Tyrod Taylor situation is one of the ones where I will swing heavily depending on what happens. Week one running, or week two, sorry. My mind is already mush after week one. Week two, running back (laughs) rankings, half point PPR settings. Uh, You can find all of the links to the rankings list in the description of this video and podcast and up on dkplaybook.com. Also, here are the guys that I have likely in for this week. James Conner, Philip Lindsay, Miles Sanders, and Dart. You got to help me out with the uh, pronunciation of this name. Just come up with a nickname. Darrington. Darrington Evans? It's it's Darren. Ton. Yeah, but is that like, is it like Demarius Thomas where there's like an extra letter that you don't pronounce in the name kind of thing? No, it's Darrington. Darrington. All right. Well, I do pronounce the N in there. Just come up with a nickname for him. I'll think about it. The bad yeah, Mike see, there Evans. You go. The bad Mike but, Evans. But what if James Conner sits? <laughs> then check the updated rankings. I update them at the end of every day. Uh, I was like, trying to get you to drop an F bomb. I can't. Do, I, I just. I was asked about it. We we joked about it too much last week, and then all of a sudden, boom! The rankings are updated. Everything is fine. So just go check those out. Likely out as of these rankings: Justin Jackson, Le'Veon Bell, Duke Johnson, and Rashad Penny, Mar- Marlon Mack finished for the year with a thorn Achilles tendon. <laughs> so. <laughs> The rankings themselves. Number one, we have Christian McCaffrey. Even in a bad matchup, again, my rankings aren't so much like projection-based. It's just, who am I going to start versus who am I not going to start? If I have Christian McCaffrey, there's no one I'm sitting in for, so he's number one. Zeke, Derrick Henry, Saquon, Clyde, Edwards, Hilaire, Elvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor at number nine, and Miles Sanders at number 10. It sounded like Miles Sanders could have gone last week, and they took Washington too lightly. So I would expect him to be back Hmm. on the field this time around and in high usage after how pitiful the Eagles' running game was. It it was pitiful, but it wasn't all just the running back's fault, which is why I wouldn't have Miles Sanders. What? The line sucks. That's and against the Rams. uh, I wouldn't have Sanders this high. I'm not benching Sanders. I mean, but I would slide him down at least behind Aaron Jones in a full PPR. I might even feel better about Naeem Hines. I like Mostert against the Jets. I skipped over Chubb because Chubb scares me for Thursday night. That, that's another one. That usage with Hunt in week one is legitimately concerning. I want to see what happens against the Bengals for a lot of things with the Browns. I want to say a lot of things. This game in general with the Bengals, too, with Tyler Boyd's usage in week one, although he got a lot of Harris. Uh, but to go back to Sanders, they had two out of their five starting offensive linemen that they planned to have. They got blown up in the backfield. You and I have continually talked about the Washington front seven, let alone the front four and five, if you include the rotation piece. It's it's one of the top ten, I would argue, and I have continued to say that. That all being said, it's also going to be scary against the Rams. I don't know if Miles Sanders is going to be able to get much going. Uh, you look at you like yards before contact, and the, the Eagles might be one of the worst for a while. They're struggling to find pieces right now. Yeah, I think that you'll see Sanders get involved in the receiving game a lot more. And while Aaron Donald is on that Rams defensive line, I actually think the front seven of Washington is actually better. Plus, it's another week I, for I a guy. It's another week for guys to get healthy in that backfield. And I do expect him to monopolize all of the touches in the backfield. Like we're not going to see a bunch of Corey Clement or Boston Scott. Like I would say, seventy-five percent is going to go to Miles Sanders if he's actually healthy. If we hear reports that he's not, then obviously he's going to fall down on the Chubb thing. 
I, I just think that you can just look at spreads and try to figure out Chubb and Hunt that way. In any game that the Browns are favored, which is not a lot of the time, but this week that they are, <laughs> that would point to me and lead me to believe that that's going to be a Nick Chubb game anytime they're an underdog. Just I wouldn't say don't play them, but proceed with caution. Put it that way. <laughs> proceed with caution. Yeah, I'm looking right now. The problem, Kareem Hunt, two more snaps than he had last week. And I know what you just said. It's against the Ravens. Even so, I didn't expect it to be 50-50 and actually leaning towards Hunt even when they're down to be that bad. Uh, I, I understand it. I get it. Uh, what if like the spread, what if they're wrong? What if the Bengals keep it in check the entire game? Do that, does that still mean they still go to the Chubb? Or does it mean they try to mix in Hunt for putting more points on the board? Like I just don't know. I'm pensive. That's what I'm saying. Like Again, we're not benching. You say this all the time. We're not benching any of these guys inside the top 15, top 20. But, you know, maybe if you're in an eight-team league, which I've seen 10-team leagues, I've seen some people playing to have running back depth, I would just, again, I would feel more comfortable with Hines and Mostert, and it's crazy that I, I'm more comfortable with a 49ers running back, but against the Jets, please. Uh, I would start both of them before I would start Sanders and Chubb this week. Well, I guess the one problem with Mostert is the majority of his carries didn't go for over three yards a carry. And if there's one spot where the Jets offense is still kind of, or Jets defense, sorry, is still kind of good, it's in between. Basically, their defensive tackles are pretty good. Uh, it's hard to run up the gut on them. And now that we're away from San Francisco, I think we're going to see more Tevin Coleman mixed in. Just he was, with his sickle cell problem, you just weren't going to see a lot of usage out of him on Sunday in San Francisco with the air quality. I think that kind of rebounds a little bit this week. Again, I like Mostert fine, but I, I, he's in that Nick Chubb category where he has substantial upside, but he is one of these few guys that also comes with substantial downside based on his playing time. Like, how is he going to catch, you know, 60 yard passes every single week for touchdowns? Like, that's kind of dicey to me that he's going to be because it's not like he was used a ton in the receiving game. It's just the one big play that he had made up for everything, and it was a smash play. <laughs> that's hard to bank on every week. Yeah, but he also was targeted quite a bit in that one. You actually, to go back to the thing that I brought up about Rivers, Garoppolo actually led the league in week one and targeting running backs over 40%. And obviously that's not going to stay the same once Debo's healthy, but Kittle sounds questionable for this week. Debo is out again this week. I just, I feel temporarily because of how the team is right now, I feel okay with Mostert. See, I would actually contend that Kittle not being healthy is a downtick towards Mostert as he's still an elite blocker. Uh, and just the running schemes that they have where Kittle gets out in front is basically another tackle on the field that it might be tough to get those perimeter running lanes if Kittle's not all the way healthy. Uh, you know, I, I could see it, but uh, I get the argument. I just don't necessarily agree. So are we just glossing over? I have Jonathan Taylor at number nine. We're good with that because I feel great about it. Uh, the only question with Jonathan Taylor, it was never talent. It was never the offensive line. It was never the offense. It was the fact that Marlon Mack was the guy. Marlon Mack was having a decent game before he got hurt and was the lead option. He's gone. We said as soon as Jonathan Taylor had the lead job, even if Mack was healthy and got kicked aside, once he had the lead job, he was a top 15 running back. Mack's gone. He's altogether gone. And again, Wilkins is not a threat to either one of them. If he is, if Wilkins starts getting carries, I need to question Frank Wright. And I know that like I don't question head coaches. They know more than we do. But still, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, not, yeah, I'm fine with it. The Vikings defense looks miserable right now because of how many changes. And they're actually not only player changes and personnel changes, but scheme changes, too nothing went right for them in week one. I don't think they're all going to sort of flip the switch and look good against a Colts team, which has one of the best offensive lines in the league. Yes, we're okay. Yes, we skip past Taylor. I have no problem with it. 
Uh, 11 to 20 in the rankings. I have Kenyon Drake coming in at number 11, Aaron Jones, number 12, Nick Chubb, 13, Naheem Hines, 14, Mostart, Mixon, Carson, Gurley, Eckler, and David Johnson at number 20. And the next five, Montgomery Hunt, James Robinson, Ronald Jones, and then Malcolm Brown at number 25. I think you can make a serious case that you should play Malcolm Brown much, much higher than this, but it's just like the same people who want to go break the bank on Malcolm Brown off the waiver wire. I think he's going to be a part of this team. I'm already getting people like, should I drop Cam Akers? Like, no. Akers <laughs> started that game. I get that Malcolm Brown was much yes. better and played the majority of the time, but if that switches in week two and all of a sudden Akers plays 60% of the snaps and Brown plays 30% and maybe Henderson coming off that hamstring wasn't able to do anything at his full capability, so they kept him off a little bit. Like, this still has the potential to be a three-headed monster in this Rams backfield, and that hurts all of their fantasy value. And if you're talking, if you're asking me, and I'm not 100% right, but I know Emery Hunt agrees with me. I know a lot of people will. If you just took talent and went and ranked the running back, similar to what we were just talking about, the Colts, just pure talent. It'd be Akers, Henderson, Brown, like pure talent. And yes, Brown looked the best in week one, but he's also playing in a great situation, a great offense. Akers could easily do the same as a rookie into his second week and starts to get more involved in this team and more acclimated to the NFL. As you mentioned with Henderson, still might not have been 100%. You do have to go after Brown on waivers if you need a running back, and you do have to take the chance that he is the guy the entire year. But everything you bring up is why I have no problem with him being down this far. And let's also remember... Eagles run defense is still something that's quality. It's, of course, it's not the type of Buccaneers of last year where it's avoid them at all costs, but it's not a, it, it's not an easy matchup by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, people are going to make the case to not play, like they're going to try to talk themselves out of Christian McCaffrey this week, which is going to be hilarious because he's averaged like <laughs> 1.7 yards per carry in his past four And games. Barkley. It passed four. Yeah, well, I mean, Barkley's in a much better spot this time around. Maybe just don't play people. Play running backs against Pittsburgh's defense might be the move if they're not going to be. But it would end up with 13 PPR points. Like, if that's the worst game he's ever going to have, you know, that's why he's number four in the rankings kind of thing. Like, if that's the floor that you're going to provide, that's why you're an elite running back. And well, like, with McCaffrey, like, he might catch 13 passes in this game. <laughs> Well, and here's the one thing. So I, I tweeted this out earlier this morning. Uh, when I was looking at stats. Yards before contact, the three worst than week one, Kamara at 0.17, Barkley at 0.4, and Akers actually at 0.93. Barkley and Kamara, not even a half a yard before they were getting hit in week one. Which is crazy because the Saints have a good offensive line. I think it was just the way they were using Kamara in that game. It was just, it was weird. And But Kamara actually looked better because he did a little bit more after contact. Actually, Saquon Barkley's yard after contact in week one, 0.0 because you took you equaled out with all the negative yards that he got. So, uh, yeah, he had, he had zero point year zero after contact. So, I, I gotta tell you, like, look, you're not benching Barkley, but oh, this is that line. That line put him right there with the, with the Eagles, too. This, this could be a death knell for Barkley's value this year. Uh, it could be, and it might not be. Like, the more he gets used in the passing game, that's always... It's right. A, it, it's just like he's now all of a sudden that if he can cobble together 20 touches, then it's not 18 carries and two catches. Maybe it's like 14 carries and six catches. Like, I'll, I'll take that trade-off <laughs> as long as he's <laughs> getting the goal 20, line work. I know, but you said 20 touches, and immediately in my head, I thought eight carries and 12 <laughs> receptions. Well, that would, be, hey, th- that would be even better. I would be all in on that. Like, that would make Barkley <laughs> the number one fantasy player. That's that's true. <laughs> so well, let's go that route. So the bottom part here, like Eckler, David Johnson, David Montgomery at number 21. 
you just kind of brought it up. Like, I mean, the offensive line for the Giants uh, is not great. The defensive line also not so great. And it does seem like Montgomery is healthy. The groin seems to be in his past at the moment. I know it was more of a timeshare with him and Cohen. He only played 49% of the snaps. But I can just see Chicago going to the ground against the Giants. I think that there's a high chance he scores a touchdown in this game and gets 20-ish carries. That that would make him a low-end running back, too, for me this week. I'm with you on that one. And because something to go right back to that yards before contact situation, part of it was what you just said about the Giants. And part of it is the Steelers offensive line. But even if you let's even just throw out the Steelers offensive line, let's just even say they're the best in the league. Still Snell in that game, 5.9 yards before <laughs> six yards, almost before contact when he came in for Connor for the rest of the game against the Giants, the Giants defensive line is questionable at best. So Montgomery Hunt, James Robinson, who I was very encouraged to see was playing on a lot of passing downs over Chris Thompson. So I would pick up James Robinson before I picked up Malcolm Brown if they were both available. I'd go Hines, Robinson, uh, Brown, then yeah. Snell. He also Not had 100% Hunt. of the running back carries. Yeah, which was fantastic. So you have him, uh, Ronald Jones, in a really soft matchup. I mean, I liked his usage, although all of a sudden, like, LaShawn McCoy was playing the second most snaps in the Bucks backfield. So we'll, yeah. we'll wait and see how that goes. But it does seem like, for the moment, Jones is going to be the lead against Carolina. I like that. Malcolm Brown, J.K. Dobbins, James Conner, who I have playing right now, I have at number 27 completely untrustworthy but if he's playing you have to assume he's somewhat healthy and then he's going to burn you Mar that awful marking room has been <laughs> guest ranked at 28 i have him in worst place james white and then zach moss at number 30 for me the one i want to kind of hit on right here though is if james Conner sits no, not marking <laughs> marking was i would there's no i mean i wouldn't play marking room anyway because i would never own marking room can i ask you a question before you stop on your player sure did you celebrate when you saw that J.K. Dobbins had more snaps than Ingram in week one. And when Dobbins scored the touchdowns, too. It's just, number one, I don't know how this backfield is going to look every single week. Because, uh, I mean, it's not like Gus Bus wasn't seeing the field either. Like, they were all on the field. That it's just going to be a complete roulette spin of who's going to end up scoring these touchdowns. And, like, 30% of the time, Lamar is going to score the touchdowns on the ground. So, it's not a situation you really want to be a part of. Dobbins does look like the best guy, though. The one I want to talk about is Connor, A., would you start him if he plays, and B, if he sits? How high up does Snell go against the Broncos? I think you could make a case to put him at, like, running back 12. And so if James Conner plays, I think you have him in a good spot. I would want him as a flex running back for the risk, not just, like, we know the upside is that he's going to get as many touches as he can handle, but the he can handle might mean he gets hurt again and leaves the game. This kind of feels like Demarius Thomas towards the end of his career, like not career as a whole, but his fantasy career back when it was like, oh my God, is Demarius Thomas going to get hurt again? Uh, so players like that, where you know that they could come out any given week. Uh, it's like Brandon Cooks right now. He can get a concussion and be out for the rest of the game in the first quarter. That's a fair spot where you have him. That's a flex running back. Snell, I would not go that high with. Now, I do think Snell looked better. Like, I didn't like Snell at all, like, as a running back. Let's be clear. Snell last year, when you did the definition of a plotter, that's what people want to throw out for so many running backs. He was, and he is. The dietitian for the Steelers, what they did with Le'Veon Bell back in the day, what they're now doing with Snell, whoever they are, give them a raise because they've been doing a great job. And it's not just our assumption of the eye test and what we're watching, and Snell looks quicker. You even saw that happen, and there's one play that got tweeted out last night, and it's a great example of it. It's when Jabril Peppers came down. as a run to the left. Peppers, who is an experienced, very good drop-down safety, took a route, 
and got beat by Snell because he assumes he's slower than he, he actually did pick up speed. So I do like Snell, but there's no way I'm starting him in front of Chris Carson or Todd Gurley or Austin Eckler or David Johnson. I would put him right there in the conversation with Montgomery and Hunt and James Robinson. Yeah, see, I would go higher than that. I just think if, if it's going to be Snell, he's going to see 80% of the snaps. He's going to get all the no. carries. He's going to get all the goal line work. Yes, he is. No, because as soon as he had the rest of the game, Jalen Samuels was actually like a 65-35 split. Mike Tomlin uses Connor that way. He doesn't use Snell that way. He splits Samuels in there with, with Snell's the guy. But it's not like Samuel's ever touching the ball. Snell's, uh, every time he's on the field, he's getting the ball. It's like it's like David Montgomery. Every time you see him on the field, but, chances are he, the ball's going to be in his hands. But there's a difference between 50 snaps and 35. I don't care if you're touching the ball every single time you're on the field. Well, I see, I, 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 would, I, would I would fire back on that. If you're only going to play 30 snaps, but you're going to touch the ball 25 times, I really don't care how often you play. You're only touching it 25 times. That's great. That is great if a running back touches the ball 25 times. So, hold on. Let me get this straight. You're saying he's going to get 35 snaps. No, I'm not saying he's going to get 35 snaps. If they, if, no, they no. if they run, let's say, 60 plays on offense in this game, and they might end up running more than that. Uh, but we're looking at it from this against Denver, so they're going to be uh, presumably up. They're big favorites in this game, which would lean towards having Benny Snell on the field if James Conner was out more because he's right. going to handle more of the work on the ground. Samuel is going to be primarily used in the passing game, but you're still going to see a situation where Snell gets like two to three targets just through dump-offs, and if Ben is getting harassed a little bit just because he's on the field. So if he gets 65% of the snaps in this game, he's up around, what, like 37 and a half, 38? I can see him getting 18 to 22 touches from that and i that's why i, I didn't even realize that's what you're trying to say i think you're crazy uh, to 35 snaps and getting 20 25 touches uh, don't see that happening I'll and, take a bet on that and i would actually project him to play more than that but using your 65 35 i think he'd be up around 75 well, that's 80. a percentage yes i understand so, I, I understand what percentages are but i think he's going to play more than that. <laughs> again i don't and i don't think even if he played like 40 45 snaps, I think he might get 20 touches. Maybe. I mean, if they're up, they're just going to feed him the ball. I, okay. I told you I would definitely, I would 100% take that bet. Okay. So we should bet on that then. If We, we have to wait for James Conner to be ruled <laughs> but out. But what if Conner plays? Well, if Conner <laughs> plays, then this is all a moot point. But uh, if Conner is ruled out, we'll, we'll circle back to this and bet on that. Uh, <laughs> Zach Moss, I currently have, uh, you were correct on that, although... Singletary played, again, 60% of the snaps. Moss was the one who ended up with the valuable touches, though, inside the five-yard line uh, when they got in close. When Josh Allen's not sneaking it in himself, he's handing it off to Zach Moss. So I have him at number 30 against the Dolphins because that's what the Bills are going to do this week. Uh, the Dolphins' pass defense is going to be really good until all their guys end up getting hurt. But for the moment, they're very susceptible on the ground, and the Bills love to run the ball. I can see Moss and Singletary. I have Moss at 30, Singletary at 34, both possessing value this week. But it's a situation where I wouldn't want to own either of them if both are healthy, because on the Bills, honestly... <laughs> I think you only really want to own Josh Allen. Like, I like Diggs. You can play Diggs. Like, Diggs is fine. But in a situation I'm like around. this, where you have uh, Howard and Jones on the outside, like, I just don't see the receivers having to do a ton in this game if they're sensible about it. Like, oh, we can just run the ball down your throat. So let's just do that the entire time. That, it makes a lot of sense. I still like John Brown. I'm going to say the same thing I was saying this offseason is he gets to feast on number two corners now. And that's really why you see the value in John Brown. But I understand your point for this game with the running backs. The good news is we were concerned about Devin Singletary's passing game work because he's not an exceptional pass catcher. But at least in that value, like I'm looking right now, 
He was targeted 15.6% of the time versus where is Zach Moss? 8.9. So they are using Singletary, as you're talking about in this timeshare. They are at least still giving him more passing game value, which keeps him from being irrelevant. But to your point, it's the fact that Zach Moss is getting the short yards. He's getting some goal line when it's not Josh Allen. He's getting first down runs at times. It's definitely a timeshare between the two. And if you're going to tell me between the two this week, as you just mentioned, it feels like a run game, then yeah, I would take Zach Moss. I'm gonna, Zach Moss is probably going to be play most weeks. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I think just because of the goal line work. If that continues right. to persist, then that's going to make him more valuable inherently. Uh, 31 to 40. I have Philip Lindsay in as of now. He may not play. So I have Melvin Gordon at number 31, who was well on his way to losing his job until Philip Lindsay got mm-hmm. hurt. But all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay got hurt. And then Melvin Gordon came back in and had a so good game. But I have him at number 31, DeAndre Swift at 32. He's going to be the best of the Lions running backs. And it's actually, I mean, you were saying this before, that he's going to be a really good trade candidate to like go trade for a la Miles Sanders last year after like week seven, week eight, week nine. I think it actually helps people's ability to go get him that he dropped that touchdown pass at the end of the game. <laughs> That's so funny. I said the exact same thing yesterday. This is Jordan Howard, except this is a good running back. Everybody remember Jordan Howard dropping that one on like the two yard line, turning around to take it in the end zone. And everybody just, this is why they hated Eric Ebron. Even when he was putting up touchdowns for the Colts, they just couldn't get the image out of their head of him dropping touchdowns for the lions. It's like, Yes, it's a, a crucial drop, but it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Like, even as we crap on Jordan Howard, he's not that bad of a pass catcher. He's better than, uh, I mean, the, he's better than Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry, you don't want to touch him once he's running full speed, but he's a better pass catcher than him. But people remember, that's a great point, and I love that, is perception is going to skew people's values and opinions every single year. And right now, people have a bad taste in their mouth from a lot of week one performances especially seeing what happened when Swift could have won that game. And the positives for Swift is he played 44% of the snaps on the Lions. AP was at 31%. Carry on was at 26%. Like, that's not good. Like, And they're going to continue to utilize <laughs> all three of the running backs, so that's bad uh, And as it pertains to DeAndre Swift this week. That's why he's at number 32. The bonus, though, is despite the fact that he dropped that pass, he got the goal line work, which was unexpected to me. Uh, the carries inside the five-yard line went to him, not Adrian Peterson, which kind of threw me for a loop and that might not continue into week two they might change that up but he was the running back that they threw to he was running wide receiver routes he was lining up out of the slot out wide that sort of thing is a huge positive for his fantasy floor week to week even as like a flex type play before he can seize control completely of this backfield if that ever happens the reason i didn't draft him is this is if these guys if peterson and carry on don't get hurt and like eventually bo scarborough is going to be back for whatever reason matt patricia wants to use all of these guys Yep, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that was going to be my point. Ran 19 routes. Uh, for reference, by the way, David Johnson was targeted 12.9% of the time. Just as I want to bring that up because everybody's thinking about, oh, look at all that usage. DeAndre Swift was targeted 12.2% of the time that he was out there. So there you go. After that, it gets dicey. Like Peyton Barber, yes, scored two touchdowns. And I, no. think, <laughs> I think he averaged a career high 1.7 yards per carry, which is tremendous for Peyton Barber. I have him at 41. I still have Gibson at 33. Like watching that game, Gibson looked good. He did. It's gonna. He's going to get more work. This is the concern that we had from Gibson coming from college. Didn't have a lot of running back volume, but 
He's the most talented one. Again, I made the joke to you last week. Peyton Barber, I don't know. He's got a book on every single person in the NFL. I don't know how he deserves or keeps getting these touches or keeps getting jobs. This isn't the first time either. I brought this up in the waiver column seven or eight times. I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but it really shouldn't matter when it's that high of a number. Didn't even rush for three yards per carry last year. Like, what are we doing? Josh Adams, I have at 36 with Le'Veon Bell out. And in a revenge game, Frank Gore at number 43, who's 5,000 years old. He has a revenge against time at this point. Uh, I don't want to start either of these losers, but if I had to, it would be Josh Adams. <laughs> well, wait, Josh Adams was on the was on the 49ers too? No, no. I just said it as it pertained to Frank Gore as a revenge game. Oh, okay. I was like, did I miss something? Did he like sneak on that team sometime that I didn't realize? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to start any of these guys. Hell, in this range. Uh, did do you said Josh Adams though? Didn't you? I said who? Josh Adams' name. I thought you said Josh. I, Adams. I did. I said I said Josh Adams at thirty six and in a revenge game. Oh, then Frank you're just through. Okay. Yeah. I'd rather you know of all this in this group. Uh, full point PPR. Chris Thompson. You know that's where his value is going to be. Is okay. I would take the chance. It's like, this is lottery ticket. This is why we're down in this range. But instead of just going for, oh, Peyton Barber, maybe he'll get 40 yards on 37 carries. Just go take the chance that Miles Gaskin is the guy. This is before Jordan Howard got hurt, after Jordan Howard returned with, uh, what's this, Matt Breida involved the entire game. They went, Gaskin was treated as their guy for week one. And this was somebody that was used at the end of last season. And somebody this team has had, had, this team has had on the uh, roster for a while now. I think, you know, Gaskin's not super exciting, especially against the Bills. But if in this range, uh, instead of just going for four fantasy points, I'll just shoot for the ceiling. See, I think if Lindsey plays, you can, like, there's downside because he's dealing with this injury. But if he can make it through the entire game, I think that's still going to be a split with Melvin Gordon. Sure. Uh, it's just a really bad matchup against Pittsburgh. But with Gaskin, here's the downside to it. He's basically worse Austin. Like, the kind of stat line that we threw out for Austin Eckler and the usage that he's going to get with Taylor at quarterback, Gaskin's like the bad version of that. He might get all of these touches. The problem is Howard's going to come in inside the five-yard line and get all the goal line work. That's what happened. Even though he was dealing through an injury in week one, that's what happened. So I wouldn't expect him to score many touchdowns, which is a problem. Uh, And then against this Bills defense, I just don't see – like he's going to have to catch a whole bunch of passes, but it's not like Laird wasn't involved. He was involved. You mentioned Breda. Breda could potentially be more involved this week. I agree with you that Gaskin – I I get that, but Gaskin right now – is going to get the at least plurality of the snaps in the Dolphins offense I just don't see it being all that valuable if I was going to roll the dice on one of these guys it'd be Chase Edmonds just because Chase Edmonds is playing at the same time as Drake and he's going to get they're using Drake as misdirection near the goal line to get the ball to Edmonds it's not going to happen every week but that is a part of what they do and if we talk about like snaps they're just running so many plays that through osmosis even if he's going to play like 30 percent of the snaps they run so many plays that 30 percent is more valuable than someone else's 42. Hey, that's certainly fair. I like I don't dislike Chase Edmonds at all. He's in my waiver column as somebody that should have been picked up and is not only one of the high-end backups in the league, but he's getting use. So I don't dislike that at all. It just was more talk about when we were especially down this range in the comparison of the Peyton Barbers and the Adrian Petersons of the world that just do nothing for me. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. I have Peterson at 45, uh, let's see, Gore at 43, Barber at 41. Then, like, they're all kind of the same guys at this. Like, I have Leonard Fournette at 50. Like, is he even going to play? Like, what are they doing with this guy? 
Uh, I mean, who knows? They could be working him in slowly. Uh, it could be that Arians was finally telling the truth for once when it comes to his running backs and that Ronald Jones was still the guy. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I'm looking right now. How many snaps did he have? Nine snaps and two targets. So who the hell knows? Yeah, when you look at the Tampa Bay offense, Jones played 47% of the snaps, Shady played 36, and Fournette played 13% of the snaps. That is uh, not encouraging. Let's move on to week two, wide receiver rankings. Again, like the top 25 or so are guys that you're playing, but likely in for the moment, I have Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk, Kenny Galladay, KJ Hamler, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, and Devontae Parker as likely in. Again, if they are declared out or something changes, I will take them out of the rankings. But I can't do that on a video. So when you comment on the video, that guy's not even playing. I know. <laughs> That's why you check the updated rankings in the description of this video and podcast. I hate to have to say this every single week, but people are fucking morons and need to get through their minds. Likely out, Mimsy. Elshon Jeffrey and Richie James with his handspring injury. So number one in the rankings, Devontae Adams, because uh, I'm kind of concerned about Michael Thomas just a little bit, uh, especially because he's playing in the Monday night game. So Adams, Julio, Hopkins, Adam Thielen, Godwin, Allen Robinson, Tyreek Hill, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas at number 10. Um, I mean, I have Galladay ranked this highly because if he plays, I assume he's healthy. So therefore, I want to play him against Green Bay. I couldn't have been more wrong about DeAndre Hopkins uh, coming into the year. Uh, he looks like he's just going to absolutely obliterate everybody. Oh, hey, that's that's. Didn't we make that bet? I got one in the books, right? <laughs> well, I mean, there's an entire season to go, Jake. <laughs> yeah, but I could double down on it. Oh, uh, yeah, like I gotta tell you though, even as somebody who's arguing that Hopkins shouldn't be downgraded, I, I admittedly didn't expect that kind of volume. I mean, this is. Houston Texans volume actually at this point it's better than Houston Texans volume you saw a high what was it 40 percent of the targets like yeah nobody expected that even the the biggest supporters didn't see that but Adams I mean at this point until Thomas is cleared 100 percent it's not even just Thomas down where you have him I would just say Adams going forward would feel like the better play because this is the high ankle sprain we saw Saquon Barkley come back from it quickly and we saw what it did to him for the first couple games. And yes, it's a running back versus a wide receiver. But Thomas is talking about not even missing time. Like playing through a high ankle sprain just sounds insane to me. Uh, I, I'm not only legitimately concerned Michael Thomas for this week. If I could get a trade offer where, sorry, I had to swallow there. Like the, anyway, <laughs> uh, Tyreek Hill. You just somebody in my in my comments asked, should I trade him for Tyreek Hill? And there was other two pieces involved, but the two pieces were basically equitable. I said, you know, I might do it just because of what a high ankle sprain can do to wide receivers and running backs in general. Like, if you could get away from him, I, I think I do it. I, I know it's crazy, but I think I move on. Well, if you have him right now, you're going to have to wait out the entire week because we're probably not going to get official word until Monday, unless it's like all cleared up and the high ankle sprain is fake news. But on Saturday's injury <laughs> report, you're going to have to figure out what's going on because it is the Monday game. So I would say fire up Traquan, go pick him up as you know, use more snaps than Sanders. Yeah, use Michael Thomas in your flex if you can, but maybe you have a running back in there. But if not, have a replacement on hand ready to go from that Monday night game. If you have rugs and you were benching him for Michael Thomas, I mean, that's a very easy switch. But I think I would like Traquan next in that game. And then maybe Brian Edwards, I suppose. Yeah, Brian Edwards is out there. He ran more snaps than Ruggs, and I know Ruggs missed a little bit of time with an injury, but Brian Edwards just wasn't targeted. Uh, Derek Carr wasn't looking his way. Whether that comes from – this might be the long-term concern for Edwards because he's a starting wide receiver with Ruggs and because he plays 
outside and rugs can play the slot and move around more than Edwards does. Edwards just might get number one, quote unquote, wide receiver treatment, despite the fact he's a rookie that could hamper his season as a whole, despite the fact that he's out there. And you can see what happened in week one with Brian Edwards as the season goes on, where Derek Carr just almost like checks out is even looking his way as his first or possibly even second read. He might be his third read most plays just because it's like, hey, he's probably covered by the top corner. I'll look elsewhere and then come around to him in case. So I still I'm not dropping Edwards, but I'm legitimately concerned for his value this season, despite being a starter just for that. Yeah, I listen. I'm just saying that if Michael Thomas doesn't play, there's only so many options that you're going to have right. to put into the Michael Thomas. No, spot. I would I would go for. But what I'm saying is Traquan Smith is more widely available. Oh, yeah, and I would sure. I agree with you. And I would go Smith first. Yeah. But then I think the next guy who's like still available from that game would probably be Brian Edwards. <laughs> probably. Or Renfro. Although I'm. Yeah, I was going to say Renfro might still be out there, and he was used a little bit more. He was targeted more than Edwards does and ran, and ran fewer snaps. Yeah, okay, so maybe it's Renfro, then Edwards. Then. But anyway, that's your contingency plan if you are sitting on Michael Thomas. and He's Michael Thomas. You probably do have to sit on him. Uh, well, and, and, and I say all that because Ed, Edwards is going to get Lattimore. So I'd probably go Renfro. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good call. Uh, here's a fun stat for you as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray when we get to him. Washington blitzed more in week one than San Francisco did all last season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but we're overrating that front that front line. They're, they're not, the, that Washington team is not that good. No, but here's the thing. Uh, since the beginning of last season, Washington has allowed a touchdown on 8.4% of perimeter passes. The second highest, the second highest rate in the league. DeAndre Hopkins had 12 perimeter targets in week one. All the other Cardinals combined had 11. So Hopkins is going to smash them. I was about to say, so what you're telling me is start all of my DK lineups with Murray and Hopkins and work from there? Yeah, (laughs) I I actually think that might be the move, too, because, like, Washington's blitzing. uh, Because, I mean, just with the... The way that San Francisco is constructed, like they're going to get pressure anyway. But Murray had 91 scrambling yards last week because it wasn't designed runs that Murray was doing. It was just all scrambling and him taking off. It was his first game with over 45 career uh, scrambling yards. And if he's going to be blitzed to shit this week from Washington, just expect more of that. (laughs) It's either going to be a quick throw to Hopkins on the outside. He's going to run for a touchdown or Murray's just going to run around. (laughs) Can we get Rotoware to make that shirt blitz to shit? (laughs) I don't know if they have profanities on their shirts. <laughs> I don't know, but I just, uh, that, I love that's, can I, 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 I might censor it, but can I use that saying? <laughs> yes, that, that, that is for you to use. Cause I am not writing a ton about football. I'm just talking about the football. What's <laughs> uh, the shit. I love it. <laughs> 11 to 20 Lockett, Juju, Ridley, Robert Woods, DJ Moore, AJ Green, DJ Chark, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, and Julian Edelman. I don't like uh, Patrick Peterson on Terry McLaurin, but at the same time, he got slayed last week and still put up a very respectable like five for seven or five for seventy three. That he's just gonna get all the, he's gonna get the volume, and he's really good. All it takes is just one play from him. So he's not an elite play this week, but I still like him inside the top twenty. And with Edelman, like him and Harry are the two guys. <laughs> Although there was rumors this morning that the Patriots are trying to trade for Allen Robinson. There was rumors of that. There was rumors that Odell Beckham was supposed to be on the block, and that's already been debunked. I mean, let's chill out. I mean, how many times do in-season trades like of those caliber talents actually happen? It's usually the Patriots trading away Randy Moss. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I can only think of like Patriot situations. I remember uh, Chris Chambers got traded one year from San Diego to Miami. That was that in-season. Yeah, it was like week six because it, it was just so weird that it happened. It was like, oh wow, a trade deadline move. 
At this, well, you know what's funny is the Dolphins are the ones that are usually doing it. Last year, they did a couple because they were just cleaning house. They're still getting rid of pieces. Uh, McLaurin, to go back to that real quick, uh, what week one kind of affirmed, like, so I'm a Haskins guy, you know that, but it brought my concern of what I said for this entire season into light was week one was that's basically Ryan Tannehill. If he's only going to be throwing a handful of times and only throwing for 180 to 220 yards a week, you know, McLaurin is still the guy, but as you mentioned, you have to be concerned. Sometimes if it's a tough matchup, he's going to have to do a lot on that one catch you mentioned. And it kind of hurts Steven Sims more like I thought Steven Sims could be sneaky as a wide receiver four or five, but again, I'm going to want to see Dwayne Haskins at, can we get at least 250 one week? Can we get 250 and two just one week? Hey, Josh Allen threw for over 300 yards in week one, Jake. Anything is possible. That is true. God, I, I did not see Josh Allen throwing for that much. There we go. Hey, just play the Jets. That's all you need to do because they have no secondary to speak. Hey, of. Survivor, all 16 weeks. Yeah. Well, I guess 12 out of the 16 or 13 of the 16 because you're going to have to division opponents. I guess they're not going to go 15 and one like Cus thought. Uh, number 21, a Jet, Jamison Crowder. He's the guy. Just play Jamison Crowder and don't play any other Jets. 13 Co- targets. Cooper Cup, 22. Jarvis Landry, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, Stefan Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, and Michael Gallup. I need to, I mean, this is like Jake Victory Lap Week. You're correct about Naheem Hines, at least through one <laughs> week. Uh, you're correct about DeAndre Hopkins, at least through one week. And you said draft Corey Davis in the last round of all your drafts. I didn't listen to you because I thought that was stupid, but you might be onto something here. <laughs> I said, oh, that was only because he was free. I did also say that bench Odell Beckham where you could. Uh, I actually, not but Marvin Jones had an amazing game, but I told even someone's like, I'm benching him for Marvin Jones, absolutely. Um, but you, that comes down to Baker Mayfield. Like Baker Mayfield, like Odell Beckham was out there. Odell Beckham was targeted. Odell Beckham looked fine. Baker Mayfield sucks. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> Kitchens all along. We'll have to see that one. But yes, Corey Davis, look, I'm not putting him in my lineup yet. Uh, but similar to Devontae Parker, that's what I kept saying. That was the comparison I drew is that Devontae Parker, we knew the talent was there. The draft capital was there because the NFL team saw it. The opportunity, the athleticism, everything is there. It just hasn't happened, hasn't happened, hasn't happened. Corey Davis, like Parker, dealt with injuries a couple times. Again, I'm not saying he's a must start after just one game. I would still take A.J. Brown. But it what if he is Devonte Parker and this is his year and he's finally putting it together and finally everything clicks i would absolutely add him and you know he's in the conversation to be a dart throw i think you have him and that's where he deserves to be in the conversation further down with like Preston Williams and Brandon Cooks and Emmanuel Sanders after what we just saw yeah, like I, he's in that range. I have Corey Davis at number 49. Uh, so he is in like the Lazard, Williams, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, C.D. Lamb, Deshaun Jackson range. Like that's where he is. But back up into the 30s. Uh, I still have Keenan Allen over Mike Williams for the moment. I have Keenan Allen at number 31, Mike Williams at number 37. But I strongly thought about putting Williams ahead of him. I could definitely say doing that as well. I think this is going to be a tough call. Uh, if we get the clear picture this way, if Mike Williams is out targets Keenan Allen again, then yeah, I think that we might be having that conversation in week three that Mike Evans is full. Mike Williams is ahead of him. The excitement I had for Keenan Allen, you know, you know, this is with the expectancy that Mike Williams is going to miss an entire month. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So yeah, this is like, it looks like I'm going to be overweight and too high on Keenan Allen this year because I wasn't expecting Mike Williams to be out there. Week. He didn't even look, 90 percent he looked a hundred percent he didn't look banged up at all yeah he looked great in week one then he took a hard fall and got up and it was like "Eh, whatever 
Yeah. <laughs> so it goes Alan Fuller, Odell, Deontay Johnson. Maybe I have Odell. Do I have Odell too high at 33? Like it is against the Bengals. Like it's not the Ravens. It's, it's the Bengals. This should be better for the Browns. It should be. Again, he was out there, targeted a ton, just never clicked. We know this. You and I have talked about it a lot. The Ravens, the way that you attack them is the middle of the field. That's more Jarvis Landry. That's why Jarvis Landry was the better play than it'll Beckham last week. Not that Landry did a ton, but it is a much easier matchup. You can see him get on the right track. If it doesn't happen this week, it's I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to bet on this again. It's not going to be Odell Beckham's fault. I mean, the Browns might be drafting a quarterback in next year's draft if Baker Mayfield doesn't get his you-know-what together. More likely to draft a quarterback in 2021, the Browns or the Jets? Mm, the Jets, because I think the Browns could still win a couple. I think the Browns could still be at like 7-9, and nine, and then they're in the middle of the draft where the Jets are going to have a top-five pick. Yeah, like if the Jets end up with the first pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence, aren't they? Yeah, I saw somebody actually, it wasn't me, that tweeted about that over the weekend. I said, if you're Trevor Lawrence and Gase has the first pick, do you go back to Clemson? <laughs> uh, so I have, let's see, Slayton over Shepard by three spots, 36 and 39. Devontae Parker, I'm assuming he's playing. Obviously, if he's not playing, then it's a bit of a different situation. But it was very telling that just like last year, in week one, Stephen Gilmore on Preston Williams, not Devontae Parker. And well, this week does that carry over, and do we see? I don't know. White or wait, I, I'm assuming that they're going to put Tredavious White on Preston Williams. Do you? I do. I would actually like that for Devontae Parker. That's what I mean. That's why I have Parker at 38 and Williams down this week. If Parker is 100, percent that's the big question too. Is did he was he playing through an injury in week one? It kind of looks that way, especially because he came out and. With the aggravated injury. So uh, if Parker's going to, I'd rather Parker just sit out and we can get 100%. I think the problem is the Dolphins are scraping for wide receiver options. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really want to start firing up Jakeem Grant into my lineups either. But or go. Isaiah Ford or like, yeah. 41, Paris, Campbell. Very clear. It could be the, it could be the number, could be the number one, uh, besides the running backs, obviously, in Indianapolis, but he's just a target magnet. I like this matchup against Minnesota, who seemingly have no secondary. Anthony Miller, Ruggs, John Brown, Robbie Anderson, Alan Lizard, Preston Williams, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, is there anyone else you think that deserves to be inside the top 50? Like, just missing was like Deshaun Jackson, Sammy Watkins. I don't think that Russell Gage is going to get 13 targets every single week, so I left him <laughs> outside the top 50. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking down your list right now. While I'm looking, by the way, what I don't get a victory lap for Paris Campbell too. Not yet. Not, not yet. What do you have? Sixty yards? Like let's let's calm down. Because, but if you watch that game, like so, I did Chris Harris's waiver podcast. I thought this was a great question, Pat. That he kind of answered. He's like, if you've never watched football before and you watch the Colts game and you strip the names off the jerseys, you would assume Paris Campbell was their best receiver. Like T.Y. Hilton looks like he's potentially lost a step here again you know I, I appreciate that yeah i'm not really taking a victory lap 100 percent on the handle that could change in one week so the, the, the on one that. guy the one guy that i think you could move like you could roll out marquez valdez scantling and just hope he catches a deep one because he just missed another touchdown in that game but then he goes back to be an mvs who scores zero points like it's just he's like the the homeless man's deshaun jackson <laughs> uh or actually he's like santana moss at this point like less consistent <laughs> santana moss that's that that's a good one because and I looked that up too and Lazard had more snaps, more targets, uh, and so you know that's just really what it comes or more snaps and more routes run. Yeah, uh, he was actually Mark Marquez Valdez Scantling for whatever reason was targeted. Hey, hey, maybe Rogers was telling us the truth about Valdez Scantling, but to this point, if Lazard is out there more, I still don't trust him. I'm with you. 
Yeah, so the three, I think, have a chance to move up depending on other news. Uh, Kendrick Bourne would be one of them because he might actually be the only receiver healthy against the Jets. So just throw him out there. <laughs> um, Traquan Smith. Traquan could definitely move up if Michael Thomas is out. Uh, and Jalen Regor, who I liked. I was surprised by the way that they used him in week one. It wasn't like a lot. He only had the one catch, but it was super deep. Uh and I just think that he's he can get behind defenses, and if that's going to be the case, like he just might be a, a gamble every single week. And the other one would be Amendola. Uh, if Galladay sits again, you, you can play Amendola. I agree with all those, and, and I would throw one oh, more into this conversation. Is it Quintez Cephas? <laughs> no, it's not Quintez Cephas. He had 10 Although, targets. I don't, yeah. I, I, Caught if, like two. If Galladay's out again, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, that Cephas was a big part of that offense. No, I was going to say LaVisca Chenault, and really because – he already the snaps were slightly there for Keelan Cole, but he essentially is, you know, Nando asked me this on. So he does a Thursday podcast. And one of the questions he asked, he said, what would it take in week one for you to say Chenault is worth being on teams and potentially starting? And I said, I need to see him running as the number two. He was essentially the number two in that game. If he is the number two with the addition of like the Robert Woods, maybe one or two carries per game. And the usage that was there, he he stepped past Cole in that game. Uh, the Tennessee defense is strong, but you saw Judy popping open last night, and you saw other options where there were some throws that Drew Locke missed. The Tennessee defense isn't as scary as I thought it might be. Uh, I think that Chenault should be high. Just nothing needs to change for him. I just think I feel better about Chenault than some of the names down here. All right. Let's move on to quarterbacks. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, number one and two. Big shocker right there. Kyler Murray, number wow. three. I just kind of went through the Kyler Murray, why you should definitely play him this week. I got Josh Allen at number four. Like I said, if it's going to be a run-heavy game, guess who the lead rusher is? Josh Allen. Um, calling his own number at the goal line. So I do like Josh Allen in the spot. Kind of ditto for Cam Newton. If he's going to be the primary running threat, especially in the red zone. That bet's looking good. Yeah. Cam Newton's going to lead the team in rushing this year. Yeah, Cam Newton is looking Fired up. I like it. But, you know, he's playing the Dolphins. Now he's playing the Seahawks. Bit of a different story. Dak, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees is my top 10. Then I got Deshaun Watson against Baltimore. Don't love that. Jimmy G against the Jets. I do love that, despite the fact that I don't know who he's throwing to. Minshew Walk, Brady, Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, Mitch Trubisky, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, and Jared Goff at number 20. I have a uh, Teddy Bridgewater at number 21. I could see Bridgewater having a really good game here just because you can't really run on the Buccaneers. So all of Christian McCaffrey's stat lines are going to come through the air and that might carry Teddy B. <laughs> it certainly can. But yeah, I mean, this is a fair spot for him. You're not going to want to put him that much higher. Um, kind of. I don't have there's not like a name on this list that really stands out to me that I'd be like, oh, I don't like that. I, I don't like how high Jimmy Garoppolo is, but I would move him a ton. Jets. Uh, uh, even against the Jets. Jets. He had Jets. Garoppolo. Jets. I don't care. J E T S. Like, Jets. 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 Trash. I don't care. Hey, what, what about the West Coast to East Coast narrative? You can yeah. throw that one out here. I, then you throw back out that they're playing the Jets, so it's fine. <laughs> so every argument I make against Garoppolo is just going to be Jets. Yes. Okay. Not and my, and my, that, like, and my argument will win because it's the Jets. Not the fact that he missed a ton of throws. He looked like trash. He might not. Like, serious question here, Pat. And you can even answer Jess if you want to. Serious question. If there is no George Kittle, would you still have him here? No. <laughs> okay. 
But I, I, but by osmosis of the rankings, like how my rankings work, if I have Kittle in, which I do at tight end, then that is reflected in the quarterbacks as well and the rest right. of the receivers. So if I have so him in him, as playing, yeah, yeah. If, if he's out there, he will move down in the rankings. But I, I just think this is such a – there's very few great Jimmy G spots. This feels like one, especially because I mentioned, like, even against Buffalo, the Jets' interior run defense was still pretty good. It's like the one spot where they're okay. I can't believe we have Trubisky in starting conversation again, but we were right. We called it for week one against the Lions. It took three quarters of the game to get there, but it worked and it, it's the Giants defense. So it should probably work, probably work again. Yeah. Trubisky is always going to be like a fringe upside streamer every single week, just because the downside is so immense, but just saw again what the upside is. What did you think of Joe Burrow, by the way? Because I saw somebody was like, great debut for the kid. And I was like, what uh, game did you watch? I thought he was a lot like he looked legit rattled in the first quarter, just with the pressure that was coming at him. He was making I described it to him on Monday's show on the waiver wire show is that he looks like he's not there yet. But you know how everyone says that Josh Allen's never going to get better. Joe Burrow looks like right. if Josh Allen got better. <laughs> like that's what he will look like. He's not like he's worse than Josh Allen right now, but like the upside that you project onto him in the passing game, like he was making those like boneheaded, like he's trying to do way too much. Like it, Allen in that playoff yeah. game, when he tried like the reverse lateral or when he's just randomly fumbling, like Burrow's <laughs> doing the exact same things. Yeah. That little shovel interception pass that he that, that, Yeah. So I could definitely see. I just think that the fancy 40 rushing yards skewed the truth in that he looked pretty awful for most of the game true but if that's going to be the case and he's going to continue to run at this clip it's oh yeah it's the same reason why we all love josh allen if that's going to be the case he's going to move up these rankings very quickly or it's the tyra taylor back in the day tyra taylor was giving you a free passing touchdown every single week and scored 15 points every single week it wasn't the ceiling of a 30 but i think uh, burrow does have that ceiling if he starts to improve Minshew, we're good with Minshew, right? Number 13. I feel like you could make a case he could be higher. I don't think he's going to have one incompletion, and I would expect him to throw more than 20 times a game. Well, I hear it. That's my final victory. Like, you know Minshew. That, this has been, how many times have I said people should have Minshew? I would start him over Garoppolo against the Jets. I would start him uh, in most leagues. He's not only going to pass a lot. Everybody assumes, like, I, I keep bringing up the Bortles. Con- what? He's going to run. That well, so I was gonna say, I keep bringing up the Bortles comparison, and what gets lost in that for a lot of people is people think of Bortles and they think of the interceptions. Minshew doesn't throw that many interceptions, honestly. Like Daniel Jones throws more. Well, he hasn't done a ton so far, but he did throw one. Did he throw one or throw two? But Minshew is actually safer than people think because of the comparison to Bortles being on this team. The over has hit in six consecutive Jacksonville games where the over-under is set at under 46 points. So every time that whatever, like, it's, oh, the Jags are going to play low-scoring games, that never turns out to be the case. <laughs> so always smash the over on the Jags is what you're saying? Yeah, and Minshew is 8-5 and five against the spread as a starter, too. So, like, he keeps these games closer than a lot of people think. And if it's going to be garbage time, I don't care. It all counts in fans. <laughs> it's not like it's half-point garbage time stats. No, they, they all count for the entire <laughs> amount of points. Uh, tight that's, end. Why, that's why we like That's why we like Daniel Jones, too. By the way, we don't get to get the uh, London game where the Jaguars are like a lock. That's true. Uh, but we do get Daniel Jones. I still like Daniel Jones as a fantasy starter. Like, his two worst matchups of the season are, like, last week and this week. And then it's kind of gravy for him. Yeah, it's beautiful, and he's already playing fine to begin with. It's what I, there's the argument I made about Daniel Jones is people are like, ooh, have you seen the beginning of the schedule? And I said, but if Daniel Jones comes out the first two weeks and looks good as like a top-12 quarterback, it's going to be too late because nobody's going to want to bench him at that point. It's actually happening for Minshew. Well, I mean, it's one week. It happened for one week for Minshew already. Tight end rankings? 
for week two, likely to play George Kittle and Gerald Everett, likely out. Well, most definitely out. David Njoku and Blake Jarwin <laughs> because they're on injured reserve and they're finished. I, I don't. I, I no, no. Blake Jarwin is finished. I don't think Njoku is finished. I think he's just on injured reserve for the moment. Well, I think it, essentially he's finished. <laughs> well, you weren't. You didn't know him anyway. So rankings, Kelsey. I have Kittle at number two because if he's playing, I'm playing George Kittle. Andrews at number three. Hunter Henry, who seemed to be like the big beneficiary of Tyrod Taylor, besides Mike Williams. Darren Waller, mm-hmm. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Uh, that's just where Wentz is funneling his throws right now is to the tight ends, and they're both playing all the time. Jonu, Logan Thomas, number nine. Arizona, man, and people forget about it. Just play your, play your tight ends against Arizona. Not They won't just get hurt like Kittle every week. Ingram at number 10 into Noah Font, TJ Hockencust. Jared Cook, Jack Doyle, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper, Eric Ebron, Chris Hunden, and Greg Olson. Uh, Thomas is the streamer this week, I think. I would 100% agree with you. Do you know who led the team in target percentage last week? I would say Logan, Logan Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Yep, ahead of the wide receivers. Uh, so that is my final victory lap, and now I'll give you the one where I completely missed, and I'm legitimately already concerned. I kind of touched on it earlier. It's Austin Hooper. Uh, it's not just Austin Hooper because of Baker Mayfield. What I looked at here is Austin Hooper. It's the OJ Howard with Bruce Arians concern. He was running less routes and targeted less than even Harrison Bryant before David Njoku even got hurt. And then even more so when David Njoku got hurt, they're already using a rookie in the passing game more than Austin Hooper. His pass blocking ability, it might be the detriment of his fantasy ability. Now, I I would put him in the same range you have him. I wouldn't start him this week. Maybe he can get right against the Bengals. But if it happens again and it's only him and and uh, a rookie in Harrison Bryant, and he still sees that same kind of concerning workload. Hooper's just straight up droppable, and I I thought who I thought Hooper was a locked in tight end one to be their third receiver this year. So completely missed on Eric Hooper, uh, Eric Hooper, Austin Hooper, and Eric Ebron. I got I, th- I thought Eric Ebron would do more against the Giants. I missed on both. Ah, uh, this is classic Eric Ebron stuff, though. Now everyone's gonna bench him this week. He's gonna have like nine targets. So what he's, he's the new Jared Cook? Potentially. I, I actually had a mistake in my rankings. I had Herndon at 19. He's supposed to be at 14. And I was even considering putting him higher, only because I dug a little bit deeper on Herman, or Herndon. Chris Herndon the fourth. He was targeted on 35% of his routes run, uh, which was the highest rate among tight ends in week one. They're huge underdogs to the 49ers. Uh, and the Jets throw over 80% of the time when they're down by seven points or more. And he had seven targets and six catches last week. Like He's a pretty decent floor play. Yeah, he ran the third most routes for this team. Uh, I liked him a lot in week one. expected a little bit more just because there's so much just Crowder and him. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you for a bounce back. So, you know, it's tight end. Tight end's frustrating. Like, I'll give you a perfect examples. You know, talking about tight end, everybody's start. do I drop Hooper for Goddard? Do I drop, who else? Hayden Hurst for Goddard. Uh, like, I wouldn't do those yet. But if you want to, it's tight end. Like, if Dallas Goddard ends up being, like, the number two wide receiver for the Eagles... You know, it could happen. This is the tight end position outside of the top six, which you have. And then you could probably start throwing like Jono into semi-trustworthy range. I'm not quite there yet because Tannehill doesn't throw enough every single week. But I mean, once you start already getting to Fant and Hawkinson and Cook and Doyle and all these names, I mean, if you want to chase tight ends, chase tight ends. I'm not going to ever tell anybody not to chase a tight end. Yeah, it was like the same thing in the draft. I didn't think Andrews would be as used as he was in week one. That was a huge jump up in terms of snap count 
for him in terms of efficiency for him and they he didn't even basically play in the fourth quarter so that was all positive news which really inches him closer to the Kelsey and Kittle range I didn't expect him to be that close but this is why I said like if you can get Kelsey or Kittle like the second like end of the second early third like just take them and then you don't have to worry about tight end the rest of the year because if not you're now into this range where you're just playing roulette every week which could work out but it's easier to do it like quarterback than tight end to try to actually hit on these guys yeah, absolutely. And actually, Mark Andrews tied Marquise Brown for the target share, uh, 24% each in week one. So that's just great. 24 routes and target 24% of the time. That's insane. Defenses. Let's close this out. I got the Niners at number one. Niner. Uh, the Rams at number two. The Pittsburgh Steelers at number three. The Bills, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Washington football team. Well, I think they, again, this is the same argument that people gave back to me last week. Uh, well, then it goes Chiefs, Colts, Vikings for the rest of the top ten. But with the... I know where you're going. With the footballs, I... and It's funny. I got into an argument. I, I watch games with a guy uh, every single week, and he's very, like, thinks about fantasy football in a very non-analytical way. He's like, the Bills, oh my God, the Bills gave up points. Like, he's like crying about his fantasy defense. I was like, you should just play Washington. He's like, but they, they've already given up 17 points. Yeah, they already have six sacks and two picks though. Like, this is, you want the opportunistic defense. I know we harp on this so much, but like, I don't care if my defense gives up 20 points. That's really not all that value. Unless your defense pitches a shutout or gives up three points, which is close to impossible in today's NFL. Yeah then you have to go with where the points come from. So I think the Cardinals are going to score like 30 points in this game, and Kyler's probably going to scramble around a lot. But if he's going to be scrambling around a lot and they're going to bring all this pressure, Kyler also takes a bunch of sacks at the same time. So both things can be true. Kyler can be a great play, and the Washington defense can be a really good play too. I completely agree. The Washington footballs were one of my top streamers this week and got the same thing. Question and be like, but they give up points and their secondary stinks. And it's, it's not mutually exclusive. You just summarized it very well. The Rams are widely available because no one used them against Dallas last week. So I would say that they are the best streaming D. They were available in like 60% of the league. So I was like, fire them up. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I was, I was surprised by that. I was surprised by a few ownerships. I was surprised by Mike Williams, but I guess a lot of people just assumed what I did and that he was legitimately going to miss a couple of weeks. But the Rams sitting out there, when I was looking through the defenses as well, I was like, wow. I, I was surprised to see them sitting out there as much as they were. Like, Because you do this a lot during the beginning of the year, as I do, is sometimes I draft two defenses just to find out who's going to be good. And then you know, sometimes if it's just one week out of the gate where it's supposed to be a top five, top ten defense, just find somebody for week one and then you have them one after week two and you're not scrambling like everybody else is uh any other defense you think should get some rub here uh i think the vikings defense is something that you can look at uh, i think just the vikings i'm going to give them a mulligan on week one i think their pass rush is still going to be pretty good uh, and everyone's just going to drop them on mass after they got lit up but like rivers throws a ton of picks i know the offensive line is good but i think the defensive line for minnesota is better he's going to be under pressure hence why i like the running backs for their pet pass catching prowess this week but i think they're going to drop rivers a few times I could see that. I'm more concerned than you are with the Vikings because there was so much turnover on their defense as a whole, like talent-wise. There, you know, scheme changes. There's a lot of changes on this defense. Where I'm with you, but I don't think I would start. I wouldn't drop them. I would try to hold them for one more week. I don't think I would feel 100% confident in starting them. But I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think the Buccaneers against Carolina, although Teddy Bridgewater is pretty safe, but that Buccaneers defense has been able to get that pressure up front. And if they can limit Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you can see a turnover or two coming there. The one that I do like is further down the list. I didn't see where did you have him again? Uh, the Green Bay Packers against Detroit. If there's no Kenny Galladay, because Stafford's going to chuck it. The Packers are going to force the score. 
and you know Stafford chucking it is like oh yeah about 14 well, I think it's the first I'd have him a little bit higher but not much yeah well the, the biggest thing with that game is that Detroit plays the Packers really close like every single time sometimes <laughs> no no I, I where is it here I have the, I have the stat uh, was it like all the time? <laughs> yeah, it's like all the time. Let's see here. Uh, Green Bay won both games last season, but Detroit covered both those games, giving Detroit six straight covers against the Green Bay Packers. The last time that Green Bay scored more than 23 points against the Lions was New Year's Day 2017. Uh, I will. So I'll take the over. I, th- I think they do it now. That Detroit Lions defense. Sure, but, but, left. but it's not so much the over-under that I'm concerned about. It is the closeness of these games. Because the spread isn't super high in this game. That if the Detroit can keep this manageable, they're going to be running a lot. And if they're running a lot, that doesn't lead to a lot of fantasy points. See, I don't, that's where I, I guess we differ a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be running that much against the Packers. Just because, yeah, they did with some Adrian Peterson. But Stafford still chucked it plenty with no Kenny Galladay. He I mean, did. you just talked about it before. Cephas had 10 targets. Cephas. Yeah, I wish I really wish it was Marvin Hall, who I actually played on DraftKings unsuccessfully. I wish it was Marvin Jones. <laughs> no, I see. Marvin Jones was like the fate of the week on DraftKings after like everyone piled onto him. Uh, and Boston Scott, did you fade Scott too? I faded. No, I did not fade Scott. I used him in like five percent of lineups uh, just because he saved me so much money, and I couldn't figure out if I wanted Robinson, Gibson, or Thompson. Turns out Robinson was the answer, but I was like, oh, Scott should be better. But I faded Josh Jacobs too, so I can't really like victory lap anything there. No, yeah, that's. I actually, I didn't have Josh Jacobs because I faded him because of the ownership. And yeah, I, I did the yeah. same thing. I went up to Dalvin Cook and down to Mostart to make it work. <laughs> so it worked. Like it worked. I out. did the same thing. We should have, we should have talked and realized that it was a bad decision that we were agreeing. I had so much Dalvin Cook and Mostert, so I still paid off in a few spots. But yeah, I did the exact same thing. Well, my logic behind, and I'll talk about this more on the DraftKings show this week. The logic behind fading Jacobs was like, and his pass catching work ended up going up. But like, I think he needs two touchdowns in order to really burn me in this spot he ends up with three it's like okay well (laughs) (laughs) so he burned your ass or what did he what was the saying from before blitzed your shit (laughs) blitzed to shit all right jake seeley theathletic.com your waiver column is up now rankings come out when Tonight, midnight, if you're watching on Tuesday. Otherwise, they are already out for you. And for, hey, if you're watching the PME show, go to the rankings and that rankings page for your PME people, the Mayo Media Network, a dollar a month to start right now. Dollar a month. That's pretty good. Dollar a month for theathletic.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, FTN Daily and FTNBets.com. A bit more expensive than that, but you get full access to the optimizers, lineup generators, full cheat sheets worth of picks, all the premium shows, one of which I host on Friday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time with three DraftKings pros. I am not a pro. I ask the pros my stupid questions, and they tell me I'm a moron. Here's what you should be doing. So a lot of great coverage and premium content up, along with all the stats and tools, which are highly valuable, by the way. Uh, FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. Use promo code Mayo. If you screenshot me that picture before midnight on Tuesday, you will be eligible to be in the draw to get that refunded to you for all of the NFL season. So if there's a time to go do it now, is that time code Mayo for a discount? Check out the Dynasty Stock Watch up on Mayo Media Network. Uh, the Listener's League is in the description of this podcast in video for week three. Only 3,000 spots to so get yours right now. And all of my rankings up on DKPlaybook.com. But I did you a solid. And the links are all in the description of this video and podcast. Smash the like on the way out. Rate it five stars for the audio version. I'm Pat Mayo. Good luck in week two. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.